morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever the time may be, wherever you are listening to this, whether it's live now or on your devices, wherever you get your podcast content from. Has Josh literally disappeared straight away from this opening? I think that's because you've just stole Craig from the same old Arsenal's opening. He was going to sue us now. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, I've given away who should be here, but he disappeared. But anyway, yes. welcome to an Abue Wonderland podcast, an Arsenal podcast all about the Arsenal legend, Emmanuel Abue. On today's show, we'll be discussing why Emmanuel Abue is the best player to ever grace the Arsenal shirt, and we'll be debating whether he's good, great or excellent when he was playing for us. On the show, I've got the podfather himself, Danny the GFP. How are you doing, Danny? Hello, Ellis. It's nice of you to um, decide to host the show. I only told you about three minutes before we started. Uh, Carl should have been here as well, but we think he's got a poorly bum, so uh, he's bailed. Yeah. Raj bailed. He said, uh, can't make it now. Two weeks ago, he said he'd be on. Uh, no one knows what's happened to Chris. Sometimes he pops in our uh, our WhatsApp and... Uh, then that's it, uh, and, then he, and he leaves again. Josh was here, but now Josh has, has disappeared. So scraping the ultimate bottom of the barrel and just having me on. Josh has had enough. He's left, and it's just you and me. How beautiful. I think, I think it's maybe just time to uh, – oh, here he is. He's back again. Let's pretend we hadn't even started. <laughs> what time I, timed it, I timed it particularly. <laughs> He's gone again. Died. So you get to see Ellis's great start. <laughs> I'll just start again. Hello, welcome to a Welcome to a Wonderland podcast. That's harder than it looks, to be fair. Um, also joining me today, other than GFP, is the translucent hipster himself, Josh Dor. How are you doing, Josh? I'm good, thank you. Uh, yeah, nice it's good to be on with you, Ellis. Um, yeah, after. Before the podcast, Danny and I were moaning about your hardware issues, and then I go and lose my internet just beforehand. So, yeah, um, it's all right. It's not too bad. We'll right, none, none of you have ever heard of an ethernet cable. It's crazy. I'm plugged into the well, ethernet. You know, mine's you, plugged in. Yeah. Mine's yeah, plugged in too. It's my router that went. Oh, yeah. dear. Well, that'll never do. Right, should we get uh, a show on the road then? Yeah, might I will. Well. I'll go to you, Danny, first, and I'll work my way around the little square pictures on this computer bob we've got in front of me. Um, the 4-2 win over Leeds. What was your feelings on that, the lineup, and just generally, how did you find the game? Well, going into it, I secretly thought, when I did the preview show, I said that we were going to win it. I think I said it was going to be 5-2 or 4-1. Or and then I was secretly thinking, I could really see us losing this, because Leeds are on a pretty decent run of form. And knowing the kind of luck we have with the, we should have beat Wolves, we should have beat Aston Villa. And just looking at the Leeds' form here, it was they'd won three out of their last four games and they've moved up to, they were above us in the table where they were, we ended up swapping places. And I thought, I'm going to pretend like oh, I'm, I'm confident that we're going to win. Bamford is on form. You've got Harrison in midfield banging in the goals. Rafino is another interesting player. You've got ex-Arsenal player Luke Ayling. You've got Xhaka's best mate, Alawoski, who had planned to kill one of our players. And then um, Xhaka was going to smuggle him out of the, com- out of the country in, in the boot of his car because they're busy mates, because that's what they happen. Um, I, I thought maybe Tierney won't come back for this game because he will end up doing time because uh, he's going to have all of them players because he's the kind of player he is. And I, but then looking at the stats, I thought, bloody hell, Leeds have had 11 goals for or against between 23 goals in their last six games in the away games in the Premier League. You look at that and you think, there's definitely going to be goals there. 
But no way did I think Young was going to get a hat-trick. I didn't think Bellerin was going to score. It seems to be our fullbacks are taking it in turns to try and score wonder goals. I was, I was excited for the game. I knew it would be an interesting game, but the way we started off, uh, a goal in 13 minutes, and then um, wasn't there something else happened between that and the penalty? And there was a, there was a couple of other um, points where we could have scored more goals because against Wolves and against uh, Villa, both had chances in what was it, 31 seconds, wasn't it? Saka had a chance against one of those two early on. And I thought, oh, if we need to take our chances early. And that's exactly what we did. And I was very pleased with the game. I wasn't too sure about whether uh, who was going to start. Surprised that Luis came straight back in. We knew Leno would. Uh, Gabriel, glad to see him there and starting because he is quickly becoming our best centre back. And then in midfield, he didn't have much choice of what we could do because other than Xhaka and Sabias, there's only really El Nenny left, isn't it? Nice to see Odegaard get a start. But the whole thing, I was very happy. Lovely. Um, and Josh, how did you find the game? And how worried were you when it went to 4-2? Oh, uh, yeah, it was a very much like Jekyll and Hyde performance from Leeds. Um, like Danny was saying, it's one of those that they kind of worry at face value. But if you look deeper into the results, you know, they lost 4-1 to Crystal Palace only a few weeks ago. So you know that they've got that kind of performance in them where if you get it right on the day, you can blow them away. And I think that's what, exactly what we did in that first half. Uh, arguably, we should have had two penalties. I think we can discuss further on the first Saka one. For me, that's a penalty. It should be given, uh, especially with the precedent that has been set in previous matches uh, across the season, not only in Arsenal matches, but oh, in the league. That's what What's I was that? thinking of. The Saka thing. Yeah, the Good first penalty. Yep. Well, what can <laughs> I say? Uh, yeah, and then I think just the general performances were superb. That first half, I would caveat it slightly that Leeds made us look good. I think if you've got a team full of players with decent first touches and you can break or get past that initial press because of how Bielsa sets them up with a, uh, like it's almost like man marking out on the field while it's open. And that's the big one for me is making sure that you don't have that uh, coming into you and you can just get around it. And we could see that, that we got through to them and completely carved them open. Uh, the second half, I was worried, uh, especially when that header went in. You could see the change that Bielsa had made. Uh, I thought it was a key one was bringing Alioski off uh, because he was basically in Saka's pocket that whole first half. He didn't know whether he was coming or going. And as soon as he was taken off, Leeds started attacking down our uh, right-hand side and Saka and Bellerin just couldn't cope. The initial corner that they score from comes from the breakdown on that side. And then, again, the second goal that they get is just superb movement down that left, and we just didn't deal with it. And I think initially that's why I think uh, we brought on uh, Willian, and I think we'll go into that um, further of why Willian maybe have come on at that point. So, yeah... um, what did you think about Willian coming on, Ellis? Uh, was it, oh God, it's Willian or? Um, yeah. I, I must admit, I wasn't actually that worried at 4-2. Obviously, I think, I don't know if it was the commentary 
Sky said about they brought up the Newcastle 4-4 and how like it was almost an anniversary since that last that game happened. So I think they were trying to sort of make everyone, especially Arsenal fans, could be like, oh shit, what's going to happen? But I wasn't particularly worried. I've, I've got to admit, I feel a bit like Chris Carpenter. Like I'm a bit down in the dumps with, with football at the moment. I'm not really enjoying... Um, what Arsenal put now, and if we've not been playing well, we've had so many sort of like shitty VAR referee decisions that have just put a down on games for me. So I wasn't really, if I'm being honest, totally looking forward to this game. But to to have the performance we did in the first half and to score score so many goals and play well, I think like the the, the game before last we played well, but we weren't really rewarded with the chances we made. So to be able to score those was was it was just nice to sit down and watch Arsenal sort of perform well. Again, I agree with you, sort of a tale of two halves, especially with Leeds. The first half they weren't very good. Second half they were much better and I think that sort of reflected us as well. First half we were quite good, everything we seemed to do worked well. Second half not so much and we did look a bit sort of um worried when they started to come back and scored the second goal for them. But as for William, I think we, we touched on this last week on the podcast. I think we'd Arteta is trying to play him into some sort of form. We've seen a couple of guys go through the season and play poor form. Lacazette's had some poor form and then picked up a bit of good form recently. And obviously there's been much discussions about Aubameyang's form recently and he's come back and scored a hat-trick. So I don't know if he was hoping that the sort of momentum we picked up in that game, even though it did sort of change a bit towards Leeds' favour in the second half. Hopefully he thought potentially William can get involved, maybe get an assist and get a goal and contribute. And hopefully turn his form round, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Um, Josh, you brought up a really good point about the first uh, non-penalty or overturn penalty for um, Saka in the first half. Danny, what was your thoughts on that? I know you sort of forgot about it briefly in your uh, your synopsis of the game, but what was your feelings on that? Penalty, not penalty? Was it the well, right to turn it? If it can be... Down to a subatomical level, where Xhaka gives and uh, where Louise gives a penalty away for the um, who was it that he allegedly nearly barely touched? Uh, William Jose. Yes, there you go. That's why I couldn't remember his name. So that was on a subatomical level where he actually it was actually down to string theory of whether he touched him or not, and it, it, it did apparently. And then when you look at the Saka one, where he's actually hit him and taking him down, and then you look at the one at the weekend where I tweeted it and when the bloke has taken the player, he decided to come running across into the bump into the player, took the player and the ball and everything, the entire thing. It was, And, and then you look at those, what game was that? You two will remember. I, I haven't watched that many games this weekend. And they gave the penalty for it. I don't no? know. <laughs> no idea. I'm gonna have to look back at this now, aren't I? It was uh, it might have been, it was either West Ham or Chelsea. It was one of those two games. Oh, it was Sheffield United. That was it. And then, uh, yeah, Watch West Ham, West Ham, Sheffield United. Declan Rice, 41st minute penalty. The, one of their blokes. It was the one of their centre backs. Um, Cooper was it? No, that was against this lot. Basham. There we go. I think he even got a yellow card for it. Yeah, he got a yellow card in the 39th minute. Now you look at that one. And then he didn't try and play the man all the ball. And then if that happened with us, you'd have thought, that's, that's we wouldn't have got that. Too many penalties are going like that for us, where they're going to give it, even though it's hardly touched him. But then when we have been brought down, they're not giving it. Now, at a certain point, you've got to stop thinking, well, is it bad luck or is it somebody doesn't like us or is it... 
You know, um, that when someone dives all the time, other than Harry Kane and Salah, when, when a player gets known for diving, the referees are less likely to give them penalties. I think that's happening with Arsenal, where the more we complain about not getting penalties, the more we're not actually going to get penalties, whether they're penalties or not. So it's just, it's just very annoying. And it's, I think it's unfair. Um, si has put here, challenge on Saka was maybe 50-50, but it was certainly not enough for VAR to overturn it. Yeah, and I completely agree with that, that it's a, when we were told VAR was coming in and when we'd pass over to those referees would be in the case where it was a clear and obvious error. Now, if they're reviewing 50-50s, then that's not clear and obvious to me, uh, especially at that percentage. So I just kind of wonder why, and I think, Danny, it comes into it, a little bit of unconscious bias Uh um, on the Arsenal players that especially when it comes to conceding penalties I mean, we saw it from the referees and we could end up going into a, that kind of rabbit hole again which I don't think we should for this pod about when referees just go oh well you know David Luiz he's got that in him and you're like but that's not the point you know just because he's done it four times doesn't mean the fifth time he looks like he's done it he's actually done it and that's where I think the problem kind of lies is these unconscious biases that we've kind of seen. And it's fortunately, and I think uh, when Chris came on that pod just after that game, that he said, you've got to be at the point where, you know, a bit like Wolves, it didn't matter that that penalty didn't go the way it should have done because in the end, we still put four pass leads. And at that point, it didn't really matter. It was academical until the uh, until the point that we realised that we actually need that extra plus one goal difference. Mm, wasn't it one of you two that, and probably you, Josh, because you're the one with all those interesting stats, put it in one of our chats, all the um, the, the bad VAR decisions, and it's Liverpool are the ones that have been fucked mm. over. You look at that, and as an Arsenal fan, I look at the number of stuff that Liverpool aren't being given, and I think, if I was Liverpool fan, I think you'd quite rightly have an agenda, a right to think there is a, an agenda against Liverpool because some of the stuff they're not getting when it's completely plain. And then you look against Man United and the amount of stuff they're getting. There was a stat recently they were getting a penalty every three games, which is unbelievable. But I just think with our lot here, let's get back to your, your original question. It's just a matter of time until things change. And uh, it, I don't really think they've got it in for us. Um, maybe the Liverpool Man United bias thing because there are lots of Man United fans and Liverpool fans that that high up in the echelons of football. But I think when it comes to Arsenal, I don't really think we're big enough for them to give a damn about it one way or the other. It's just just a series of like the books. It's a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Josh makes a really good point on 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 the sort of the confirmation bias. Like they, they look at David Luiz and they think, yeah, he's got a ricket in him, and I think that played a massive influence on on the actual decision against Wolves. But to have VAR review that and then agree with what I thought was, again, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. It's just annoying. I think, for me, I don't think the David Luiz one is a penalty. So if I'm going by that logic, I don't think the one on Zaka is a penalty, even though I'd probably say there's a bit more sort of touch, a bit more um, of a tripping motion there to take him out rather than there is with a, a brush to, with his knee on his studs for David Luiz. But it, 
it's, I think it, I don't think it's really that like they've got it in for us. I just think the fact is that our referees here aren't very competent and they do make mistakes. And the fact that we've got VAR highlights the mistakes, even when <laughs> they have got the, the technology here to really, they're still making mistakes. So it's sort of like it's just a big slippery slope for, for the referees in our in our country at the moment. It's, it's they're not really doing themselves any favours as much that said um, they've analysed all the refereeing decisions and the VAR is actually more um, accurate than referees were anyway. It, it, it should be, really. The technology should be. Like, I don't know where you've got that stat from, but that, that should be the case because they've got angles to look at. They can slow it down. They can see it from an angle which will confirm that the contact when there isn't from the referee. They're, they can look at a view that's not obscured by players, etc., etc. Like, it, it should be that way. I think... The only sort of saving grace I'll say about the fact that that second one was overturned and wasn't given as a penalty is the fact that if that is given, you'd expect the one on Bamford in the second half against Leeds and we sort of just closed in on him would probably be given as well. So I suppose if you're not going to get that, at least they didn't get that. So there was some sort of consistency within that 90 minutes of football, but not general consistency from what we've seen over the last two weeks, the referees. And I think the main thing that we need to take from it from a positive point of view is we know the referees are shit. We know they're going to make mistakes, but we had enough quality to make sure that it wasn't going to be going to affect our game. Oh, I'll end forward to burp. And then I couldn't burp because you made me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) So you oh here it comes. Um, we're going to leave him do it. No, we're not going to let him do it. And, I think I'm broadcast it. Yesterday, I'm worried about burping <laughs> in case I'm sick. <laughs> I'm going to go on, Ellis. Sorry. Live vomiting from Danny on this show. <laughs> what more did you want? It'll be another podcast first for ABW. Live <laughs> on air. <laughs> Uh, but moving on from the Leeds game then Josh we'll come to you first so Martinelli he wasn't on the substitution bench he hasn't really featured much since coming back have you got sort of any ideas why Arteta might not be playing him what do you think the reasoning behind that is Uh, I'm not entirely sure why he isn't playing one thing that I have noticed Arteta doing previously is some players that have been really good for a previous couple of weeks have come out of the team and then in a few weeks or a few games time they come back in and they're playing in a different position we saw it with Pepe uh, where you know he didn't play for a couple of games we knew he was a right winger then he started playing on the left and sort of Rob Holding was the first person I noticed it with who was a left-sided centre-back and was playing really well for us and then Arteta seemingly dropped him for that three or four games and then he came back at right centre back and that is a it is a big change that for someone playing in defense in the central defence to move from one side to the other. The same for a winger to do it. And I wonder if right now we can't see the logic of what's going on with Martinelli, but perhaps we'll see maybe against Benfica tomorrow, or perhaps it'll be later uh, on in another game in between that we see what the plan is for Martinelli. Um the other potential options when I was watching one of the training videos, it looked like Martinelli was spending a lot of time with the guys coming back from fitness. So whether or not he's had like a minor setback or, you know, it's just taking him a little bit longer to get back from the injury and everybody wants to be really safe with him, making sure he is at full speed because we know how important he can be for us. That 
I think Arteta's been burnt by what happened with Thomas Partey against Spurs. And now he is just being ultra cautious with every player coming back. Um, well, I think we'll see the same. So, Danny? I thought you, you, you stopped to breathe. How dare you? Uh, Sorry. Arsenal fans would be the first to jump in on him and go, that's disgraceful. How could you do that? You brought him back too soon, wouldn't they? So, I agree with you. I think the bigger issue is the fact that William played instead of him. And that's the biggest problem with the fan base, uh, is that he is a man who is going to win no favours from us at all. Um, I think in my, I think you asked the question already, Ellis. I don't think I, I think I avoided asking it because we were quite positive on the pod up until <laughs> now. And now we've got to talk about Willian. Was, is there a way of him, you know, turning around in there? And I think that's the kind of problem that it depends what your base level of what you thought Willian would bring to this side. And to be honest, for me, he would bring you a couple of moments in a season, the same as he's at Chelsea. He was nothing special. He's an average player who I would probably describe as a free kick merchant because that's the only moment you really remember of Willian in his Chelsea career is he'd come on, he'd score a great free kick and they'd go on and win the game. That's it. And when you kind of think back further into what would he do to affect the game, it's the great interchange with Eden Hazard. But that's not because it's not Willian moving into those spaces that creates Chelsea to, you know, creates a great play for them. It was Hazard moving around and him just filling in. Hazard was doing everything for that Chelsea side. And I think we'll see, you know, Smith Rowe, Saka, Pepe, Abamyang do everything for us as well. What Willian does bring is that he's very good at spotting where a player leaves space and he goes into it to fill from a kind of structural point of view. He's intelligent in that way. But is he going to bring us anything? No. So do you think, so I'm not sure, I like the two points to my mm. question. First point, when we signed William, what what were you expecting from William? What role did you expect him to perform in our squad or our team? And secondly, sort of, expanding what you just said there, how he was sort of filling in when Hazard was playing well. Do you think he's looked bad because the rest of the teams look bad and with players sort of picking up form now, do you think we'll see some a sort of resurgence in form from William because there's better players around which will give him more time and space? Yeah, I'll go for the second bit first, uh, if that's all right, because I can remember that bit. Uh, in terms of with William and the interchanging, and is it because we're worse, I think, yeah, if we were winning and we were in a great run of form and we were in the top four at the moment, would people be moaning that Willian came on? Probably, actually, because we're Arsenal fans. We're all sick of fans. <laughs> but should we be moaning about stuff like that? It probably doesn't bubble up as much. It's one of those you kind of keep suppressed and you're like, it's, it annoys me. But at the moment, there's nothing I could really get too upset about. And I think right now, because we've lacked creativity in that kind of area, for me, where I thought and what I thought Arteta was going to do with this side is we'd see Willian play in central midfield. And we'd see, you know, somewhat a single player sit a little bit like how Man City sit in their 4 3 3. You know, they've got Rodri who sits in front of the back four. He's not really a defensive player in that, he's more of a playmaker down there. We'd have someone like Jacker or Partey in there and then we'd have two number eights so for Man City it's 
Gundogan and I can't think who else plays in the central midfield at the moment. So I'm going to say Kevin De Bruyne because that's what will happen when De Bruyne's back. It'll be De Bruyne and Gundogan together. And they'll just you know sit in that midfield, shuttling up and down. De Bruyne doing obviously what De Bruyne does. And then Gundogan going, kind of quietly going about his business. Obviously in recent weeks, if anybody enjoys fantasy football, they've probably got Gundogan in their team now because he's changed what he's doing for that side. He's playing further it's up and he's scoring too, goals. He's having a great run of form, to be fair. And then De Bruyne will be back next week and that will all change because he'll go back to playing second fiddle to um, how's it called? The, the Belgian uh, Smith Rowe. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's more of the that's where I kind of anticipated Willian to play because I, I kind of already recognised from what I'd seen him doing at uh, Chelsea that he's not good enough to be a winger for Arsenal. He's not good enough in that kind of position unless he's going to take up an auxiliary role in the side. And I think that's what we're seeing him doing. He's doing that auxiliary thing. He's He's not bad. He's not good. He is just painfully ad- average. And I kind of see the logic prior to why Arteta brought him in. Uh, but I think all of us have woken up that perhaps it wasn't necessarily the player he thought he was getting. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him move on in in the summer. Yeah. Um, Who's didn't Alan Davis say something like William had 12 um, passes in one game and all of them were backwards? Yeah, I think there's, there should be some context in a lot of William's backwards passing is that he gets right to the byline. So every single pass of his is going uh, to be backwards. Otherwise he puts it out. And that's Maxwell's out of form, isn't it? As the safe option yeah. is just to go back, isn't it? Rather than try something, not work out. And then you look even more of a mug when your passing percentages is poor. Is it? And someone's just popped there 48% against uh, Leeds. But hey-ho. Like, Danny, Josh has sort of said there what position he thinks he expected sort of William to play. Did you expect him to have a prominent role in the squad, like featuring a lot of games? Or do you thought, did you think he was going to be sort of like a bench player when we signed him in the summer? I didn't want him and I, I delete all my tweets every six months for, for security reasons and so uh, people can't f- get me found out that I know nothing and I remember tweeting at the time that I don't want him I didn't want Arteta as manager I didn't want someone coming in who's had no managerial experience and he's come in he's, he's won the FA Cup so I was wrong there uh, I didn't want Willian Chelsea fans were saying you don't want Willian he's rubbish like Josh was saying he's a one trick pony free kicks um, goal um, corners and, and that's about it and he's a uh, We've noticed in the last few weeks that when Pepe is played, you know, you know, um, Arteta's got Pepe to inform and then dropped him for some unknown reason. And Pepe has spent the first half of the season walking around like that. I mean, you've seen better. You see, all you see is his sideburns. He's looking at the floor, thinking, "When I get home, what am I going to buy with all the money that I'm on for doing fuck all?" And lately, his head has been up, and he's been playing football. Uh, and that the way William is at the moment, his head's always down. He looks. He's looking for faces in the crowd, someone to talk to, and he's just, he's just so uninterested in every single thing that he does. And it's uh, it is why I'm mean, interested. What I expected him not to do very well, but I didn't expect him to do this. We're just looking at Williams' career last season with Chelsea: eleven goals in forty-seven games. Now they weren't all free kicks and, and stuff like that. Season before, no, there were quite a few penalties in there as well. 
I was he scored, that, he scored three penalties last season and yeah, that the rest was of his best season for him as well, wasn't it? Mm. And that's not sort of numbers wise, it's mm. okay if he's averaging those numbers over three to four seasons for Chelsea. You've got a very good to, above average he was, player there, but that is the best he's done. And like Josh says, it's his penalties yeah. and free kicks. He was also a very streaky player for um Chelsea. So if I remember rightly. I think over 50% of his goals last season for Chelsea came after January. It's oh. uh, in a very short period of time as well. It was when he was linked to us. He suddenly you know, scored five or six goals. He was taking penalties because Jorginho was out of the team. And that's what kind of boosted his numbers, so to speak. He's, five in his last nine, Josh. There we go. See, very streaky player. And well, there's two or three penalties in that as well. Um, um, rightly. Um, yeah. Oh, it says at the top here, penalties. Um, no, it doesn't say. If I click uh, detailed, it might show me. I think Sai Ash in the chat makes a really yeah. good point. Like, It doesn't help that he, he's come from Chelsea. I think that was mm. sort of applicable with everyone we've bought from Chelsea. With with Czech, I know Czech was toted as his quality player and I thought he did have some qualities. Mm. And when he came in, they tried to get him to play away. He couldn't. And at that age, he's not going to change the way he's played for however many years he was playing. Um, and as for Louise, again, a player who has got lots of experience internationally and for, and, and for top clubs. But he is again a player who's got brain farts who can make decisions. <laughs> just don't. don't that should have been the name of the show. Williams that. brain farts. <laughs> four should pens. we talk about David Louis? Four penalties. There we go. Four penalties in nine games and five goals overall. Kind of yeah. That's the that's those are the kind of statistics you need to have a look at before he joined us and go. All right, he's not actually. All that, but well, uh, Elias, you just mentioned David Luiz, and I think there's something that wasn't on our uh, agenda or our show notes that we should definitely mention, and that was the rumours of David Luiz being offered a one year an extension and an additional one year deal. Uh, for us, what were your thoughts on that? Of looking at our centre backs, because obviously we cleared out, we got rid of two, uh, yeah, two in January with Socrates and uh, Mustafi, who I saw was in the Bundesliga team of the week this week wow. for his work at uh, Schalke. So, 8.4. yeah. Oof. Anyway, bring him back. Uh, but yeah, Ellis, <laughs> what did you think about uh, David Luiz potentially getting an additional one-year deal? So, my, my initial reaction to that was, oh my God, that is going to go down really badly on Twitter and our fan base. And I just thought, I'll, I'll just keep off Twitter. I won't look at the comments on on, on those rumours. I'll just <laughs> keep myself to myself. I think potentially that sort of puts the writing on the wall for Saliba. I think that makes potentially the club's ideas and their plans for him might mean they'll be looking to move him on. I think if you ignore the penalties he's given away, the bad times he's played, I think he, again, like I mentioned earlier, he's a very experienced player. And that is something our squad lacks is experienced players that have won things for clubs who have been there and done that. Like there are some good players there, some players that played for a long time, but not sort of like proven winners or experienced players and the like in the ilk of, of David Luiz there. So I think it makes sense from that point of view to keep him there. I'm I'm not sure how much he's getting paid. So again, I'd have to have a look at that. I think it's it just sort of shows that money's a bit tight at Arsenal at the moment. And we can't go out there and splash 
however many millions on a backup or another centre-back. So we've sort of just got to sort of muddle through for another season or so, get some cover with Louise's already there. We know what we're getting with him rather than sort of taking a punt on someone that could be potentially worse. It could be better, but you never know what you're going to get. I don't know, Danny, what were, were your, your feelings or thoughts on those rumours? He's just a cheeky chappy, is he? It's like Chris. Chris gets on all of our nerves and he just turns up whenever he feels like it. And then he, he thinks he's the star of the show because I once said he was my favourite in jest and I think he's taking it to heart. And, he, and everyone knows my favourite is Carl because he's the only one who's turned up to meet me. And then, then it would be uh, Josh because he's see-through like a jellyfish. And then Ellis. And uh, well, and actually, Jeff would be because no one knows Jeff's a man of mystery. But I, I think Ellis, uh, Ellis, no, you are a cheeky chappy. But <laughs> Louise is just someone you can't help but like. And I was looking at, I did this stat a while ago, and I, in three seasons, two and a half seasons that he'd been here, it, it was like one game in every five, he either got sent off or stretched off. <laughs> or, or some, uh, don't shoot me if I've got the, if I've got it completely wrong there. But it, that was the, that was the gist of it. On his, it's, you look at some of the balls that he does from defence. It's like he is one of our best central midfielders for spreading the ball around. And uh, there has been some of the time we thought maybe we'd like to see him play in that defensive midfield role when Jacker was uh, after he told all the fans to go go away. So yeah, I'll put that politely. Uh, that I, I really would have liked to have seen Louise playing that defensive midfield role because then at the moment we have Jacker who drops back into the back two when one of the when um, Tierney goes off. What have you been given? Where'd that come from? Look at you, your long arms, reaching stuff. <laughs> You're right, it's in a drink. <laughs> just got the, the people listening to this, he's just gone off screen and got himself a, um, a couple of litres of orange juice. Yeah, so I, I would have liked to have seen him do that, but he hasn't been. I like him as a person. He's an okay player, and I think he is one of those people. The point I'm trying to get to is a kind of Ian Wright in the dressing room. He's going to be keeping everyone's spirits up and having a laugh and just, just a nice person to have around. Plus, he, look, he's got all that experience of playing for Brazil. He's played in Portugal and he's played in France and here for a couple of teams. And why not? I mean, I just you said um, uh, how much is he on a week? My, my details I got from my website is probably made up to 150 grand a week. Now, if they can come to some kind of arrangement where you're not on 150 grand a week, maybe half that uh, uh, be a, a help with the coaching and stuff like that. Because as much as he is a bit of a clown, I think that plays in the positive side from his own. I like him, even though he is a clown and he is a bit of a liability. But just look at his cheeky chops. <laughs> you just want to put your hand in his hair and give it a ruffle, say, oh, go on, you cheeky scamp, off you go. Doesn't matter, you've been sent off five times in a row. Just off you go. Just forget about all that. Yeah, just move on. <laughs> Have you got anything else to add to that, Josh? Good luck. Yeah, I think for yeah, <laughs> I think for me, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, Danny. I'm going to come in here and uh, put like actual thoughts and process into why I think David Luiz should hit should stay and not, and he not smiles, just be so. Nice not nice hair. Yeah, <laughs> not just because I'd like to tousle his hair. Um, no, I think it would be. I think the question is. What happens with Saliba and what happens with Callum Chambers? Because those are the two players that I think there's... One of them, for me, isn't at the club past the summer. That's where I imagine anyway. And then what that gives us is Rob Holding, you know, just signed a new deal. Don't expect him to be going anywhere. Right now, I don't think anybody could say that he isn't first choice right-sided centre-back for Arsenal. I mean, people can go, oh, it's Pablo Mari or stuff. But from what we've seen, 
Gabriel and Holding is our strongest centre-back pairing that we've got right now. David Luiz is probably second choice for everybody in there over Callum Chambers because we haven't really seen a lot of Callum this season. And that's my kind of worry that because we haven't seen a lot of him, does that mean he's potentially going out? Um, and where I kind of expect to see at some point is that either Chambers or Saliba are pushing Rob Holding for that number one spot. And then David Luiz is there in the background and he's the guy that's going to, okay, we end up like, like an injury crisis we had earlier in the season. Pablo Mari was out. Gabriel gets suspended. David Luiz, you go in and play left-sided centre-back because my name's Arteta. I'm super strict about having a left-footed player at left centre-back, except if it's David Luiz. So because of that, and because he can fill in, great, stick him there. And he's just there to kind of rotate and be there. And as Danny says, he's getting to that age now where he's going to be thinking, what do I want to be doing next? He wants to be doing things like coaching badges and he's seen the way that Arteta plays football and he likes the way that he's doing it, wants to learn from these guys here. Then yeah, if he gets like a junior coaching role with it, that'd be great. And I think for me, that's what it makes sense. We've got that kind of last minute cover whilst we've got the guys we really want to play on the field. And he's just there from an experience point of view. We know that he's got problems uh, when he's on the field, we've talked about the brain farts, his concentration levels, but when you're giving advice, he's not going to be advising players to go, all oh, right. And in the 68th minute, when the ball comes over the top, yeah, just, just have a look at, there might be a dog in the crowd. Yeah. Just have a look at that. And then just, Oh, forget about your man. And just, you know, go into full levels of string theory when you're chasing him down and you'll give away a penalty and you'll get sent off and it will be everybody else's fault. It won't be yours. Uh, yeah. He's not going to be teaching them stuff like that. It's going to be about positional play and the stuff that, like you say, the best players don't necessarily always make the best coaches. And I think David Luiz might be one of those that, you know, you, you teach theoretically the best place to be, even though in practice they could never do it. Hmm. Interesting. I think going back, sort of circling back around to the game, I think we'd be doing our captain a disservice. We've sort of had a bit of a moan about William and a sort of praising Louise's cheeky chappiness and then criticising his actual football skills. Um, to go back sort of to a positive, it only seems like last week, or was last week actually, I was on the podcast with Danny and Carl, and we were sort of talking about Aubameyang's form and was it going to come back? What, what can we do to get, get him back to his to his best? And he's he's going to score a hat-trick there. So what's your feelings, Dan? I'll go to you first on Aubameyang and his sort of, is this a return to form or is this more sort of in the right place at the right time? Would I be correct in saying that I said last time that he is going to start scoring goals sooner or later and he isn't done to give him time? Did I say something like that or did I dream it? I what think you said something like that. You, you wouldn't make a, a wrong decision, surely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just, there was all those things when he's going on with it. He's, had, well, he's in trouble for having that tattoo, isn't he? Because there was a, the tattoo artist has done an Instagram of him doing the tattoo, not, none of them wearing masks. So Arsenal were looking into that because uh, that was very naughty. But you can have as many tattoos as you want about me, young because you've scored your first hat trick. Um, before we move on, I had a question for John in the um, 
uh, during the live show, and I forgot to ask it. So you, I'll ask you to. We'll come back to your question in a second, Alice. If you, is this okay? Do you mind? Ask yeah, sure. Last, so. last three Premier League hat tricks. Have you two got any idea? For Arsenal? Yeah. Uh, Bamiang, that's the easy one. <laughs> yes, all right. Three all right. before that, you. Uh, Aaron Ramsey. Oh, go on then. Extra point. Who is it against? Oh, fuck. No, not them. No. No. Arsenal 5, Everton 1. That was oh. in uh, the, the 3rd of February 2018. Go on, Nick. There's two more. I literally can't remember another hat-trick except from oh, like, Danny Welbeck getting one ages. Is it Robin, is it, is it Robin Van Persie? <laughs> in that, we're in we that, going that back. back. Are we going that back? Okay. Uh, and in the Premier League? Yeah. Premier League. Sanchez? Oh, West you're, Ham, saying, maybe? You're, you're doing what I did, Ellis. I'm just naming all of our best players. Did you say West Ham? Yeah. Two points for Ellis, yes. Oh, Third that's the... Uh, 2016. That's the third goal where he does uh, Darren Randolph with the step over. We beat West Ham 5-1 at their ground and there's one final one. Is this one before uh, or after that game? Before it. Before it, it was uh, also... it Alexis before? No. <laughs> Giroud never got a hat-trick doing the Premier League. Well, so, are you saying that he didn't? Because if you say he did, you'll get the point. He did. As Giroud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 4-0 v Aston Villa. There you wow. go. And this uh, Bum Young's was uh, Arsenal's 40th Premier League hat trick. There you go. Very good. I forgot what the question was now, Ellis. Um, is this a return to form to Bum Yang yes. or is it more? Oh, yeah, that was it. I was waffling on about his tattoo, which had nothing to do with football. <laughs> yeah, it is. He's back. And it's only a matter of time until he did come back. Like uh, we did with Pepe playing him into form. Uh, Lacazette, we did it with him. And it's just. Things just things have to click properly, and uh, if you're going to play a striker, and behind him you're going to have Martin O, you're going to have Saka on one side, and you're going to have uh, Smith Rowe on the other side. You've got those three playing behind you. You can have a pretty good chance of scoring a goal or two. And we've waited for that all season. And magnificent is so happy. Made him so. Made everyone so happy. And that is the kind of thing that we can expect more of under, under Arteta, as long as all the haters stop hating. But yeah, Bamiang's back, baby. <laughs> he doesn't Josh, score a goal the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this hat trick is going to spur him on? Like I, I don't know, Danny. Find the, his, his totals for the season so far because oh, he's got eight, eight goals in the Premier League. Uh, to last season. Last season, he would have had eight. At this point. He'd have had five plus nine, 14 he'd have had at this point last season. Blimey. So, Josh, yeah, do you think that Patrick is going to spare him on to get a few more goals? Do you think he's backfiring on all cylinders? Uh, I certainly hope so, because we're going into what can be only described as a very difficult period for us. We've got Benfica either side of playing Man City and Leicester. So, we're going to need a Bamiang firing at that point. And. As much as I want to say Leicester played into our hands or they, you know, they made us look good. Uh, there were certainly ways that if any player knew how to beat a man, you were getting past that Leeds press and you were in. So I think, yeah, I, I, I really hope that he is back in Forbes at the moment because he's going to be key to us getting any... If you want to be in the Champions League next season, he's going to be the guy that makes or breaks it for us, I think. Which is why I've titled the pod. Did you see what I've called it? It's Crunch Tie. Oh, fucking <laughs> hell. 
crunchy time. It's crunchy time. Oh no! In the in the tweet, it says time. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't. I'm only reading it from Streamyard, and it cuts it off. It just says it's yeah. crunch tie dot dot dot. Oh, it's tie tie from uh, AFTV is joining us for some Captain Crunch time. Oh, I do like tie. I want to give him a little tickle under the chin and feed him some biscuits. Bless him. Sorry, Ellis. What do you do? What do you think about a bummy young Ellis? Because you're you're being the adult here. And and I'm I'm being the, the annoying little toddler, not answering questions properly and drawing on the wall in crayon. What do you think you about really are. <laughs> I've, I've never been in this position before and find it that frustrating. I normally just think you're being quite quite funny and just get on with it. And then I do the serious answer. <laughs> it's quite nice to be host though. Like you don't really have to think that much. You just ask people questions and let them listen to what right. you're saying. Not someone's on a fucking power rush. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Like, like Josh, I'm, I'm hoping this will sort of spur him on. He's had a lot going on in his sort of personal life, which we've all sort of touched on, which may have played into the poor form. And the team itself has been in some poor form. So hopefully, again, Josh says the, the way Leeds played suited Aubameyang. So he was going to get chances. But the first one, I thought, where he's sort of doing the step overs and he, you think he's going to open up and put it across goal, but he comes in and goes near post. I think that was more to do with himself and the way he was playing, not necessarily the way Leeds are playing. So I think that will work in his favour and hopefully he can keep this form going. I think, again, like Josh said, we've got a really difficult run of fixtures and that brings me on to my next question for you, Danny. Benfica tomorrow and then, like Josh said, Man City after that. What is your team for Benfica with the Man City game? in mind coming shortly after? How would you do it? How would you play it? I didn't even tell you that I'd done this. I had it oh, there. Oh, my dear Lord. <laughs> look at that. I deleted it, and I've just gone and got it out of my bin and put it back on the screen. What do you think to it? Uh, do we all agree that Ryan is going to play? And go- Everything I know, people, I, I, am, I am like a succubus. I suck all the information. Everything I know about Matt Ryan, I've, I've sucked from Josh. And I've sucked. Yeah, Excuse so me? I've taken from Josh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, ABW after, after Dark episode. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. So, yeah, Ryan is one of the best um, players to uh, goalkeepers to play out with a ball from from goal. Is that what you say, Josh? <laughs> yeah, I might put it slightly more elo- eloquently. Than you that, might but, put uh, those words in I the right do. order. <laughs> yeah. Um, with Holding and, and Gabriel, I, I reckon he'll play Louise because Louise played for Benfica. They're probably making captain as well, especially if it's his birthday. They might do all three. I think Gabriel will be rested. But um, I was listening to uh, Mark, um Samuel Martin, what a fucking a Watts bloke. And he was saying, what's more important, this game or the Man City game? No, I think this game is more important. So that's why I'd have I'd have played with this, I'd have played Gabriel, because Benfica are rubbish. They've let in so many goals also in the Europa League. And I think with this lot, you have a decent back four, and then you've got pace and goals up front, and then you've got Sabios and Jacku in midfield stopping all their, their they've only got two decent players who score goals. Uh, and that's it. I think we can easily beat them, but just we've got to have a decent defence. And with Ryan playing, I think we have. Does anyone disagree with that? Uh, yes, yeah, so I don't I think off. Matt Ryan will start. I think it will be Leno. I prefer Leno. Uh, to start. Yeah, I think Leno will start. He's, I think, his first choice for a reason for us, and I think he will play. And then, to be honest, with the kind of thing you've put out there, my only wonder is if Kieran Tierney starts the game or if he comes on as a sub. Because he's gone That's with the them, only kind of question mark. Yeah, he's gone with them. He is fit. Uh, I watched the training earlier. He was running around and doing his thing. 
Uh, I wonder if it's Xhaka and Elneny, though, that kind of oh, start. No. Um, I think Saka also plays as well because I can't see us rotate. I can't see us making that many changes because I think that's where we've seen our biggest drop off in form is that we've made lots of chops and changes and that we've not been able to just be consistent. And ever since Arteta has gone like, right, I'm not playing silly buggers anymore. It's the same, it's the same starting 11 if I can and just continue to play them. Uh, then I think that's what we'll get our better return with. Uh, obviously, I do think that Pepe, it would be unfair to him if he didn't play. Um and Lacazette seems like he's going to get in as well, but I don't see Aubameyang being dropped for this. One thing I will say about doing this, normally it would be, I'd have to do get the, whoever's a guest on, they would do their 11 and then I'd do my 11. Halfway through doing this, I decided I didn't really want Leno. I wanted Leno to play, but then I was thinking, is this the team that I think Arteta will pick or is it the team that I think should play so at some point I gave up and just put all these players in there and realised I'm in a hurry to do this I've got some chicken and mushroom soup cooking in the microwave so yeah this isn't the team already covered his tracks isn't he it's a mess I've already already made an error I'd want a bum young up front and I'd want Leno in goal but the rest of it is all okay yeah I think Leno should start again if it was Arsene Wenger, it probably would be Ryan at start because he, he, he clearly had that sort of hierarchy of you're my Europa League Cup keep, keeper and you're my Premier League keeper. But again, I, I agree with what you're saying. This is probably the more important of the two. I think Man City is a game we're not expecting to win. It's not really going to decide our Premier League position. I think the only thing it could decide is how much worse off our goal difference is going to be at the end of the season. Um, so I think the Benfica game probably is more in my point of view, the more important game. But like like, like you said, Danny, I think we've got enough with the team that you've put up or you put out there or a rotator team to get past Benfica and maybe start a stronger team in the Premier League against against Man City. I sort of slightly disagreed with your point, Josh, with, with Stacker. I think he, he needs to be rested at some point. He's played so many minutes recently and if it's not Benfica, then it, I can't see it being Man City. So I, I would have thought it would be Benfica get a rest and, and, and Pepper will come in. Lacazette will probably come yeah. as well. Um, I'm not sure, really, to be fair. I haven't got a clue. But I think we're going to see some rotation. Yeah, I think for me, the I think just get the first leg won against Benfica. They have got, as Daniel said, they're not great in terms of this Europa League campaign. They've... Uh, like they drew three all with Rangers, they they finished second in their group. This isn't a great Benfica side that we may think of uh, from yesteryear. With you know those kind of big names like Diaz was in there. Uh, I'm trying to think of um, what we're going a bit too far back with Oscar Cardozo being up front for Benfica. It's quite a few years back, uh, but they've always had good players there. But I don't think this is the same kind of. Uh, same kind of Benfica side that we're coming up against. So I'd like to get the game won in the first leg, mm-hmm. go into the Man City game, and if Saka then needs a rest, rest him for the second leg. And that's where we've got that opportunity because then we've got Everton. And for me, I think we should be taking the Man City game uh, seriously as well because we've seen how good Man City are. If we can get anything off them, that's points that other teams aren't necessarily going to get. Like Liverpool haven't picked up any points against Man City. If we get three points against 
against them. That's three points more than Liverpool. That's the and kind of thing. You wouldn't be surprised if Arteta pulled off as well, isn't it? Yeah, it would be something he's seen that we can do these kind of things to teams like that, uh, especially in one-off games. To be honest, do I expect it to happen? No, but I'd give it a great look. I'd give it a try. <laughs> What's your team for Man City then? You're starting 11. I wouldn't make many changes from the weekend. Uh, I would probably, just trying to think of what our, I'd probably do Smith, I'd take Smith, no, I don't take off. No, I'd probably do Odegaard for Odegaard for uh, Pepe, and that's it. I'd keep the same starting eleven. As in, in Odegaard there. when he was playing in the ten or when uh, out mm-hmm. wide. No, I'd take Odegaard. No, I'd put oh. Smith Rowe back in the middle, okay, and then Pepe out, Pepe out on the left. Yeah. That's and then yeah, you got Bamiang up top. That's probably what I'd I'd go with uh, initially in that game. Trying to smash them, and then that's it. <laughs> Look at this from Divian. Arteta on why he picks William. By the time it comes to pick subs, I realise I was in a hurry. I had some chicken and mushroom soup in the microwave. So I didn't put William in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Divian. Oh, you lovely man. <laughs> oh, dear. You slow. <laughs> uh, what is more important, Ellis, for you? The Trying to win the Europa League? Or trying to get points in the Premier League? For me, it's, it's, it's win the Europa League. I think that's our only um, achievable attempt at getting into the Champions League. We're, we're not going to get in the top four in the Premier League. Obviously, we, I think we, we're more than capable of getting Europa League space this season, despite being in the 10th position. But I think if we're going to somehow fluke it into the Champions League, our only way will obviously be through the Europa League. And it's a cup competition. We've been a cup team really for a long while now and we've never really challenged in the Premier League but we've won the FA Cup a few times again Europa League we've got to a final um, and a semi-final the, the season before that I think when Atletico knocked us out so if we get a good run a fortunate run in there and Arteta can get this team playing as well as it can do with not many injuries again Party and Tierney are both looking to come back I think it's something that's definitely achievable for this team and to be in the in the Champions League next season would be a dream that I think every fan would be fucking buzzing for and you win a trophy. The Premier League for me is done. It's a mad season. I just I just think we're going to come unstuck at some point. We're going to go, our form's going to dip up and down. I don't think there's enough quality for us to ride out the bad games and come out unscathed and to get past poor refereeing decisions. It's, I, I think the league as it is, is just a case of building momentum as best we can. But I think when it comes to the, the nitty-gritty end of the season and we're looking at do we rest someone in the Premier League or do we go all out in this potential semi or quarterfinal, however far we go, I think I'd rather go all out in the Europa League personally. I, I, like like you said, I don't think we need to go completely gun-ho against Benfica. Again, Josh said put the first leg to bed, but I think we've definitely got enough in our squad, not necessarily like the first starting eleven to get past Benfica, but I would personally prioritise Europa League over Premier League as it stands at the moment Is top four out top five out of the question Josh look at that I think that that will have come up I've got to go and make it a little bit big for people listening at home and to follow the Premier League table and we are 10th on 34 points and is that fifth is that a um, Champions League qualifier Josh fifth no fourth 
fourth, and then oh, we don't yeah, do Champions League qualifiers anymore. We're just straight really? into Champions League. Yeah. You, the last year we qualified for the Champions League. After that, you didn't need to do qualifications. Because, you know, the rule of Arsenal. Oh, okay. So we're eight points, well, still, uh, uh, from, from Chelsea. But then we've got to play two of the top three in the next coming weeks. Right. It's, Everton, it's Aston Villa. I've got two games in hand of us between us there. Mm. And Tottenham have got uh, a game in hand of us between us as well. Everton are playing one of those game in hands at the moment. I'm assuming this isn't a live table. Because they're currently um, playing against Man City. But with one uh, one. just to answer the question, yeah, just to go to the just like general question from this, do I think we can finish top four? Yeah, I still think we can. Uh, got 10 games to go. Well, over 10 games, 12 games to go, I think. I think there's still a chance for us. Uh, I've, I've probably come down a little bit high from my original thought a couple of weeks ago when I was like, yeah, we can definitely finish second. Uh, but with how congested that table is and looking at the teams that... The teams that are doing well, I don't think can sustain that kind of um, momentum. Looking at Leicester under Brendan Rodgers, we've seen what Brenda can do when the pressure gets to him, kind of fall off a little bit. Talk about West Ham as well. Can they sustain that, the kind of run they're on? They've just lost both their strikers for the, to the end of the season. Um, actually, no, I think Antonio's out for a bit. They lost their backup striker, which is Yarmolenko, to the rest of the season, but they've only got Antonio as a striker. Can they maintain that to the end of the season? I don't think so. I think it's in, at the moment, it's still roughly in our hands. Uh, will we finish top four? We could still throw it away. But we do have to rely on other people doing quite well uh, or not doing well, as, it's, as it seems. But you know, all the games are kind of tough, but I think we've got, yeah, I think it does depend on our momentum as well. The, get through Benfica, get through the kind of games you've got coming up. Benfica, Man City, Everton. If we can win four games in a row, plus that Leeds game behind us as well, and five, five game winning streak, that'd be great. That would be setting us up nicely, I think, for a good run. Saliba isn't playing tonight. Nice uh, losing 3-1 away at Marseille and he's not even on the bench. Oh dear. Oh. Um, I think we've got one more thing on our itinerary to talk about and that was players getting abused on social media. So I didn't really see much of this other than on a little clip on Twitter. But Danny, do you want to talk about the, the Leno interview on Sky Sports? Did you see it? You look really shocked now. I saw a... <laughs> no, I'm just... Boy Tendayo said he was watching Amanda and Sophie. Yeah, I'd be watching that too if, if I didn't have to be here. <laughs> I think we, that's a very fine podcast and uh, friends of ours. Yeah, I saw a clip from it where um, the, the, the they put the text under what he was saying and said uh, some fans said to me, go and do a... an Was it Enki, Josh? I think so. I can't it's remember. Uh, that killed himself. Yeah, uh, Enke. Yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He um, he had suffered a suffered. Wrong. And, and, <laughs> e N K E. I'm sure that's what his name is. And that, uh, yeah, the goalkeeper went and killed himself. He was international goalkeeper for for Germany. Really, really good goalkeeper, and just got too much for him. And then, um, yes, yeah, so someone tweeted him, "Go and do that." I mean, I've you, you, there's nothing you can tweet me that is going to make me angry. It's Twitter. If you come to my house and shout through my letterbox that I'm, I'm, I'm a fat ginger, 
then we're going to have trouble. I'm going to come out there and I'm going to have you. <laughs> and as I keep telling her where I live in God, Manchester, and you know what my car looks like, it'll probably take you about half hour to find my house. So maybe someone will nip round before the show ends if we're lucky. <laughs> they can, you're fat, Ginger! <laughs> oh, yeah, but on a serious note, why, take, why listen, I don't give a fuck what anybody tweets me or anything. I take no notice of it. If you were going to go and use Twitter, you should accept the shit and it's full of dickheads and morons that are going to come and do stuff like that to you. If you, if you don't like it, don't fucking use Twitter. There you go. Simple solution. Other than that, I don't know. How about you, Josh? Ellis, I don't know. <laughs> you two don't look like the kind of people that get sad. I would ask Chris, but... <laughs> don't look like the type of people that get sad. What's that meant to me? <laughs> well, if someone tweets Josh something abusive, I doubt Josh is going to go into the toilet and have a little cry, is he? He's going to go and get a can of Red Bull, flex up the old fingers and get stuck in. <laughs> I, I think what Leno said was, was a great point, really, and what I'd probably echo to sort of the younger players coming through if, if I was going to give them advice, not that they're going to take any notice from some weirdo who does a podcast with a bunch of weirdos. Um, but... <laughs> Just don't take notice of it, like you say. If some, I, I don't think it really, other than sort of growing your brand, as you sort of saw Mesut Ozil doing his time at Arsenal with his admin. Looking at social media, I don't think is really going to give the players any benefit. Even if they are saying positive, nice things, they can still turn on you. Or as we saw recently um, in the news, when a small child was playing FIFA and decided to racially abuse Ian Wright because he lost a game of FIFA. I, you're always going to get those people come through. Unfortunately, that is what they are, internet trolls. Like Leno said in his interview, they hide behind their computer screens and their TV screens, or TV screens, phone screens, and say what they like because basically no one's going to find you and see you. Like, if you, like you said in, earlier, if someone shouted at you, you're a ginger fat prick, then you'd probably go up to them and have a word of them or maybe lump them one. But... If you someone across the world is hiding behind their computer screen, there's not really much you can do about it. So the best thing to do is just ignore it and see it for what it is, just some small person giving you abuse because they've got nothing better to do with their life. I think for me, the sad thing from what uh, Leno had said was that he said irrespective of the comments that were coming back to him. So that it's not just the bad stuff. He's not even reading the good stuff as well. And there's plenty of... I'm sure all of us are fans that say Pukayo Sacco after his performance today, or sorry, against Leeds, that we at him and we send him some praise. Isn't it a bit sad that he's not going to read that because he doesn't read anything because of what the trolls have done? That you sending any praise to any player is, is just ignored because of the stuff that comes, the, you know, the vitriol that comes in around that. And for me, that was what kind of hit home. And certainly, I can't remember the guy at Swansea who was recently um, racially abused. And I think it was either on Facebook or Twitter. But they found the kid that had done it. I say kid. Uh, it could have been a man. That Because uh, I think we we're all assuming it was a man as well. Um, yeah, men are terrible people. And it probably was. Uh, there is a... I'm sure it's a, a James A. Caster uh, skit on how the worst person in the world is definitely a man because there's no way it would be a woman because if a woman managed to be so bad that she was worse than a man, she'd actually be the best best person in the world for her achievements <laughs> really becoming brilliant. the worst person in the world. Um, 
but anyway, that the only thing they did was just stopped him. You know, the guy just can't send personal messages to the Swansea player anymore. I mean, like, that doesn't really stop it, does it? Because it's still got through. There should be proper repercussions to this, and I think there's still a larger debate on whether or not um, social media is uh, a bit is like a just kind of a forum, or whether or not it's more of like a publishing thing and they are publishing your tweets and therefore they have a bit more um due care about what ends up going out on the platform and yeah for me that's the that's the sad thing that i know what yeah i'm early 30s late 20s and i can't send what? a uh, <laughs> late 20s late 20s yeah late very late 20s very late 10 20s some people might say early really late 20s some people might say early 30s that that kind of late 20s uh you know and it might sound sad that i'd like to send you know like a bamiang just go great hat trick today he's not going to look at any of that because you know what someone's been sending him restless tweets when during his uh you know his uh period where he didn't have any uh he wasn't scoring or he was missing because, you know, he, he was there for personal issues. People will send disgusting reasons for it. So I I think there's got to be more control and more, uh, like, fines for why, uh, you know, people, you know, th- there's repercussions to their actions on social media. And I think I that's the problem. 45 from 95, Winston. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Oh, you make great point, maturity. Mate. No, it's, it is a real shame, to be fair, isn't it? Like, they do need to police it better. Because, like, social media isn't all bad. Like, I sit here and have a, a moan about it and say I'd probably avoid people to uh, tell young players to avoid it, especially when they're not playing very well. But it's a shame because I'm on this podcast because of social media. I started going on Twitter whenever I first logged on to Twitter. I started listening to Arsenal podcast, which was this one when it was the Steve Bowl Collective. And I speak to you guys and I've got friends that I play FIFA with who I've met through Twitter like there are good things that come out of social media but unfortunately there's just so much bad on there and until it is policed correctly or fine to dished out or Twitter or whatever the social media platform is clamped down on it unfortunately it's going to be there and it's going to taint all the goodness that does come out of socialising and talking bullshit about Arsenal but at what percentage of people do you think uh, oh look I can pin a message in our YouTube chat I didn't know you could do that anyway um, what percentage of people do you think are using Twitter on their mobile phones how hard is it to have to so I've got well I've got six Twitter accounts three of them everybody knows about the GFP Highbury in and the ABW one which is all of ours um, and if you have to register your Twitter account with a mobile phone number when all of those I've, I've got my mobile phone number so no one else can take them over and hijack them and and uh I get a two two factor authentication, so it's not exactly hard. It's the, the the stuff is there. Just make everybody use a Twitter account, authenticate their account, and then you will know who are doing it. Because after a certain number of time, you're going to get fed up of getting a new SIM card and then getting a new email address and then getting a new Twitter account. Eventually, people are going to go, "Oh, I, can, I really can't be bothered to do another one." And these people need to be made accountable. But the amount of stuff that you'll get on Twitter, which is completely, you can have hardcore porn on Twitter. 
that's that's that sums up Twitter. I find that personally <laughs> offensive. I don't want to see. I've got places to go. If well, I don't have any because I'm not that kind of person. But there are places to go, as I've heard, where you can go and see that stuff. You don't need to see it on Twitter. There's all these other places you can go, but all of the YouTube and and all the social, big social media places need to be more accountable. Like you were saying, Josh, are they a forum for people to come and put what they want, or are they a, a place where you're publishing stuff? Because you really are publishing stuff. You can make if you make money from it or the ability to make money from it, then you should be accountable and everybody should be accountable for what they do. But I've been using Twitter for, good God, 13 years, 12 years. I'm one of the first 1%. That sounds wonderful. And anybody messages me, I always tweet them back. I was talking to Stan in a DM earlier, and uh, it was been nice to me. It's nice. Yesterday I tweeted from the pod account that I had a jippy belly and I had no show today. And loads of people sent me messages saying, oh, I hope you feel better, mate. See, there is a nice side. None mm. of you lot message me is tell me i hope you feel better i i would have you no i did did you i need to suggest some cheese and onion crisps no i didn't do it your text you i got your number oh yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) my number (laughs) i will put it on the twitter uh later and you can all text danny to uh tell him what you really think about him outside of the confines of twitter (laughs) stan's got my phone number he's not mean to me i think he's the only one in the chat who's actually got my phone number so i think i'm quite safe there yeah, just looking through the names I don't recognise. I don't know who you are, but only Stan's got it. Stan, don't give him my number. Don't tell him your name, Pike. <laughs> Quick, Ellis, I'm waffling. You are waffling. No, I'm just saying, listening. I'm not taking control. I'm a rubbish host. Should we move on to some questions? We've only got like three, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, we've got loads. We've got loads of questions. We had like yeah, six in our Discord. I've got yeah. oh, Discord oh. ones. Well, I've got Josh. You're more organised. You yeah. you ping out the questions. Oh, so I'm not organised. I just know where they are. <laughs> I, I barely even know uh, how to work Discord. 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 Is it, is it called that? I don't know. Well, I'm going to put that line. That's a different thing. I'm going to put that line in our private chat, and then I'm going to put all the questions in. So you go there, Josh, and ask the first question. Then I'll go and get all the questions from everyone else and put them all in there underneath. So don't type in. Okay. Uh, so shall I read it? And I'll ask uh, Ellis. This question is from Shane Lynch. I can't tell you which platform it is from because Danny has put them in at the moment. Twitter. uh, How can some people say the overruled penalty was not a penalty? If it's compared to what has been given as a penalty this season in the Premier League. Example, Mr. Louise and Mo getting a touch on his arm, etc., etc. I just burped a bit and a bit of sick come up. That was nice. nice. <laughs> uh, do you um, want to answer that question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't, really. If you're going to say the David Louise scenario in the Wolves is a penalty, then how can they overrule that? I, I don't think you can. If if one's a penalty, the other is easily a penalty. Um, that's what I mean. That's the inconsistency. The inconsistencies are coming from game to game. Like I said in, in the show earlier, in the 90 minutes, I think the consistency of what was considered a penalty was quite consistent. They didn't give a penalty for Bamford. They overruled the one against Saka. Then Saka actually then they had an actual another penalty, which was correct, the decision. So for me, it, it, it's much of a muchness. I don't think there's really much more to debate other than acknowledging that the referees are a bit shit. There you go. that on the T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's got to do. Yeah, there's your new hashtag, everybody. Uh, oh, I think I'll answer this one. I, I'm assuming I'm doing questions now. That seems to be the way it's gone. Well, I can't log into our fucking Discord. It's telling me it doesn't. My password is wrong. Fucking prick. 
Anyway, anyway uh, scroll through him. It's it's from Matt Roberts. Uh, what has Reese got to do to make sure that he can get into the squad? I wish he'd gone out alone in January because he needs game time, which he won't get with a certain Brazilian being favoured over him every week. I think we know which certain Brazilian Matt is referring to, not Martinelli. Um, I think for Reese Nelson and why he can't get in the squad, I think Arteta told him at the summer that, mate, look how look how stacked we are in the wide areas. You're not going to get a game. Go out on loan. And we sorted a loan out for him. And then either through poor advice or his own um, ignorance, for want of a better word, he decided to stay and fight for his place, which I suppose is commendable to go. Congratulations. You're going to try and fight for your place now. But then we've got a Bamiang out there. We've got Saka out there. We've got Pepe. A uh, Bamiang was playing wide left. Martinelli's playing there. Willian's playing there. Smith Rose come in and can play there. Of course, he's not going to get a chance. You know, he's got to be absolutely special to be getting through ahead of those guys. And, Again, he should have had taken the opportunity to go out on loan again in January, but he just couldn't find the right position or the right place that he wanted to go. So he's just kind of stuck in this limbo. And for me, it's a year of his career that he has wasted. I'm not putting anything on Arsenal because Arsenal advised him correctly. He should have gone on loan and he didn't. He refused and said, I want to stay here for my fight for my place. And this is what happens when you're poorly advised. You end up wasting a year of his career. Who would be happy to see him sold at the end of this for 20, 25 million in the summer? We'd all happy. We'd go, all right, yeah, sure. Because he's not done anything for us. And he should have gone out on that loan. I wouldn't waste a loan period on him for next season either. I think if a decent you know decent decent fee comes in for him somebody offers us 20 million plus for him snap my hand off for it because you've gone Dalek oh dear Uh, I will pass over there and sort out my headset okay Um, quite another question for you Um, Ellis from Luke your thoughts on the comments made by Wenger on being sports at the weekend (laughs) what were Wenger's comments uh, are, you, are you back, Josh? Maybe. Ah, uh, okay. I've got. I've managed to get into Discord. I've got the ones from Tank thing. Um, awesome. Yeah. What did Wenger say on being sports? I started to listen to it, then I fell asleep because he's incredibly boring. Wasn't it something about the amount of money that footballers lost in the last year and that players should all be on no more than a hundred grand a week? Poor bless them. Yeah, he wanted to put in a wage cap basically Uh, football needed a wage cap and then i saw some very cynical comments from people saying this is the same guy that gave those all uh you know they what was it 350 grand a week and shit like that and gave bentner 52 million pounds a week or 52 not million pounds a week 52,000 pounds a week (laughs) (laughs) that's what what better sorry bentner walked in with he was like yeah 52 million pounds a week please i am a lord and emperor you will pay me as such and then we negotiated him down to fifty-two thousand pounds a week. But yeah, just why he changed his shirt number to fifty-two? Yeah, what, what a prick! prick. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There was only uh, one, two, three, four questions in Discord, wasn't there? I think so. Yeah, I've got them all. So, Cameron, you if there was a salary uh, salary cap, then he wouldn't be paying people like that that much money, would they? 
I think it it would be nice. It'd be a bit more a bit more fair if there was some sort of salary cap. But I don't think you're really going to implement it because there's too many powerful rich teams that don't want to stop being powerful rich teams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm doing the questions, aren't I? <laughs> Sorry. I'll put one I in there from Beacon, which I just realised that was in December. So ignore that one. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there were too, a few far from, too far back. There's only four. Uh, Danny, from Matt Roberts again. How do you feel about former Gunners being linked with the Bournemouth job and linking up with Super Jackie Wilshire? I will say the two former Gunners in question is one Patrice or Patrick Vieira and the other one, some guy called Terry Henry. Is he in relation to um, John Terry? No, sir. So, so, I, I, do, I do wonder yeah. why. I, I mean, the only the only slight reason would be is because Bournemouth look like they couldn't can come back again. They are they are an eager team. They got their new manager and they sacked the new manager when they were what sixth in the championship or third mm-hmm. or something like that. Sixth. Yeah, so they're very hungry to get back. We all know that Norwich are going straight back up again, which I'm quite happy about because they're they're not selling any of their good players because they realise £30 million for Mr. Bloke who begins with a B and uh, £150 million for getting promoted again. There's only going to be one winner there. But why would you want to come and... Well, there again, we always do moan when when an ex-player goes and gets straight into a top manager's job. For them to start off at the Championship is probably a fair place to start. And if you can... If you can learn to be a manager there, then that's a good, a good way to learn your job, I suppose. It's not bad, but I can't see Henri or Vieira going there. They've both had jobs in... Um, Vieira was manager in New York City, did bugger all there, and then he went off to France, did bugger all there. Henri was manager of Monaco. That was doomed to fail anyway, and now he's off there at um, the French MLS team. Montreal. They're French-Canadian, aren't they? Um, yes, so I would have thought he'd have stayed there for a few years enjoying himself because I don't think Bournemouth are, are, are there to muck around. They're not going to give you all the time. They're not going to give you three years, are they? Mm-hmm. And whether it's going to do with Wilshire, no idea. But he scored two no. goals already this season. <laughs> no, and I'd agree that if Bournemouth want to go promoted, Thierry Henry isn't the manager I'd be going for. Unless if he's I want to manager. Yeah, exactly. If I want to get out of the championship, I want to get a specialist in. I've, Someone like, I know it's something that sounds boring, someone like Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce knows knows how to get you out of the championship. Ooh, how about um, the bloke who was playing for Spurs? Um, got Newcastle up, got Norwich up, got Brighton and up. Brighton. Chris Hewton's currently manager of Nottingham Forest. He'll be needing a job soon. <laughs> he's, currently created a, he's created a mini Brighton up in uh, Nottingham at the moment with half the players there. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't think it's the right move for Thierry either to go into that. It's MLS for another season, see what you can do there and then move to something else in Europe. Um, but trying to get a team out of the championship is not the easiest. Um, but I think he would perhaps match the start of football Bournemouth would want to play. Um, question for Ellis from formerly Noza. It's probably another one that you don't know about, but I don't think anybody <laughs> does. So that's why I'm going to give it to you anyway. Have we signed that Portuguese teenage striker? No. 
because I don't know who that Portuguese teenage striker is because I don't watch cool. any other football other than Arsenal. Well, and Tom did a really good thing on it. I'm surprised you didn't watch that. He had a, he had a sporting Lisbon fan on there and I it's 20, 22 million quid. But he's, he doesn't score many goals, but he looks about 40. I think, first of all, someone needs to do is check his passport. But he hasn't done made it himself with, with crayon and bits of spit. And then go and watch Tom's show that he did uh, a couple of days ago. Here we go. Tom did a tactical breakdown. Um, Tiago Thomas. So go and, go and have a look at that. Yeah, do that. Don't be my answer. Watch Tom's cool. thing. Watch Tom's thing. And I imagine we haven't signed him yet. And it was probably one of those that, well, is he Portuguese and is a teenage striker? Oh, he's gone to Wolves. Um, <laughs> next one for you. Uh, I'm going to go back to you, Alice, as well, because you didn't get a fair shot at that one. Yeah. Uh, from... Julian Salmon. Um, I'm not sure where Julian is located at the moment. Danny, can you confirm or deny which part uh, of South America Peru. Julian Salmondo is? Peru. Peru. Gone looking oh. for bears. Marmalade sandwiches at the ready. Uh, right. Lads, do you think we should now concentrate on Europa League and rest some of our main players in the league? Why did you say lads, strangely? Like, lads? Because lads. <laughs> that's how you say it, isn't it? Lads, lads, lads. Up not even up north too long. Again, yeah, that's the problem. Scouts have got to me. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, well, I sort of answered this a bit earlier. Like uh, my opinion would probably be to focus on the Europa League. Um, well, not solely. Like like we were saying earlier, there are opportunities when you can rotate a bit, not massively. I think the calibre of uh, opposition we can come up against in Europa League, we don't necessarily have to put our strongest team out. But I think as a competition, personally, I'd focus more on that but I know other people disagree. What do you think, Danny? I was reading the questions. I agree with you. Okay, cool. <laughs> Josh, you disagree, nice. don't you? Uh, let's just say uh, we've got the guy, uh, what was it? For Europa League, we did have a manager that tried to prioritise the Europa League and we fucked it up because uh, we could have got into... Um, Oh God, just read Evan, Avon's message as well. That uh, If Tom's done a breakdown, it definitely means he's not coming. <laughs> good show though. Tom's very really good. Uh, Tom, uh, says, Tom said the bloke looks 40 anyway. He does. Yeah. He looks like an old man. Oh, okay. Dodgy paper round, probably the same as mine. Uh, but yeah, I, we, Emery tried to do this where he tried to prioritise the Europa League and when we were in a good position in the league and we could have finished top four and we fucked both. So... I think we should just concentrate on doing well in both at the moment. So we just don't fuck anything up. Um, but yeah, question from... Actually, I'm going to do that one last. You asked yourself a question as well, Josh. Go mad. I did. I did ask you myself one best, on... You pick the best ones and give me a right. list of shit. Oh, well. He's already done uh, that, eh? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I did the Reese Nelson one. Uh, Tank Dude has asked a question. What do you think will be... Uh, what do you think will be the end with Willian? Will he keep be, keep on getting picked by Arteta or is he going to do something at some point in the future or is he just going to keep jogging around pretending to participate whilst giving the ball away just like Hector does except it isn't throw-ins, uh, Danny? Very much the last thing or he will get kidnapped and sold as dog meat. Okay, cool. I think that was the kind of quality answer that we were expecting for that question. Uh, oh, you said that one was from December. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Another one from Julian Salmondo, uh, looking at how we are playing now and how we were playing under Wenger with a loss of the same players. Do you now have a newfound admiration for the great man, Ellis? Do we have a lot of the same players? I feel like our squad's changed massively since Wenger's left. <clears throat> I think we've still got some of the key, not key players... We've definitely not signed any new strikers. Yeah, yeah, Lacazette, Abamian signed in like his last half season. Xhaka, Bellerin, just working my way back. Chambers, Chambers hasn't played. Leno, Mo, many again. I feel like obviously it's a no-brainer signing Abamian, so I don't think you can really praise Wenger for saying yeah he got the best out of Abamian because Abamian was quality from the moment he set foot on Arsenal shirt, other than his poor form that he's had recently but he seems to got past that part um, and the rest of the squad have been in, in and out of form ever since I, I don't think it's given me a newfound admiration for Arsene Wenger I, I, I sort of disagree with the question a bit I know there's some a few players there but I don't think it shows that Wenger was doing a particularly great job of I think he was doing a good job I never didn't think that but I don't think that's any reflection on the squad we've got now I think the squad is probably poorer than what we had then I think the competition is harder and we've made a numerous poor decisions when it's come to selling and buying players which has completely screwed us over so I, I, I can't really compare the two personally cool uh, I kind of agree with that as well that it doesn't change my thoughts on Wenger um, with seeing the kind of players that we've got left in the squad um, even if he did bring them in, I think it's all about the kind of players that we got rid of that Wenger had brought in as well. Uh, likes of Mkhitaryan going, uh, Meza Ozil, Mustafi, Kalasinic, uh, that kind of group. I think getting them out was huge. Uh, one from Stan the Man that I am going to answer. Actually, no, I'm not going to answer this. Uh, Danny, from Stan the Man, do you believe there is any credence that Willian has a clause in his contract that he must feature in X amount of games? Hmm. Knowing the contract disaster of the toad face and the, some of the shit that they pulled off, I would not be surprised. So I'm going to say yes, Dan, because some of the nonsense we've seen that have come out and players have gone, oh, hold on a second, you said I'd be, I'd be able to play in the nude and I'd be I'd be made player manager at the age of 19. No. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Fair enough. Uh, I would be surprised, to be honest, because I don't think we'd give those kind of contracts out because you can never tell how many games somebody could or couldn't feature in. There's too many other factors that would jeopardise that number, so things like injuries and that kind of bollocks. And you're like, well... If a player gets injured, does that still mean we have to pay you to that contract? And what else does that mean? Um, but yeah, I've got a cup, uh, question for... Actually, this is the one I want to answer, mm-hmm. uh, which is from... And I'm going to butcher this name. I'm going to do a Danny. Uh, I think it's from Divune. I'm going to go with Divune. Sorry? I put his name phonetically. Oh, thank you. So, Divian, you can tell me if that's incorrect, and Danny's not very good at phonetics, but uh, he asked, any early thoughts on Willock in uh, or Newcastle not being forced into the number 10 and deployed as a box-to-box player? For me, that's where William's ultimate position, or Willock, sorry, Willock's p- 
position should be uh, as kind of the box box. If he's got a future at Arsenal, that's where I think he'll be playing in our midfield somewhere, not in that kind of quote unquote number 10 position for us. I think at Newcastle, it gives him the options that he'll break into the final third more often, but I think it will give him that better grounding of, well, I think we all know how Steve Bruce plays at Newcastle. It's very defensive. And I think that will improve that side of his game. will be a bit more combative in midfield. And I thought, ultimately, it was either a case of let him watch. Um, see, Danny. Danny is good. Devune has confirmed that we have it correct. Um, that yeah, I think he was either stay back and watch what Partey does in training. But obviously, because he's injured every five minutes, there's not much he can actually watch from him other than how good a rub down he gets from the uh, masseuse. I think in general that I am enjoying where I'm seeing Willock play because I think ultimately that's where, if he's going to have a place at Arsenal next season, that's where he will be playing is on in midfield somewhere. And then I think that leaves the final question, which is also from Devine and is for all of us. Ellis, I'll start with you. Would you take top six and St. Totteringham's day or finish top four and the scum finish above us. Top four. Ooh. I couldn't care less really to finish above us. We've done it so many times before then. It doesn't really bother me as long as they didn't win the title. I couldn't care less where they finish. And if we got to finish in top four, I'll be well up for it. Nice. Danny? Yeah, it'd be hilarious seeing him in the Champions League next season. And uh, I think we are finally getting the squad together that if we were in the Champions League, I think we'd do okay. Because we'd have we strengthened a few more bits, but we have got the spine there of a really good team. How about you, Josh? Uh, I'd say top six because I'm going to use the little loophole in there. The top six doesn't necessarily mean we don't finish fourth, uh, and we take us in Totteringham's day. I know, right? I've got I've got him in bloody legalese, tied them all up. <laughs> Perfect. Found that little loophole. Top six means we finish at least sixth, maybe five, maybe fifth. But yeah, I'd take us. Top six and St. Totteringham's Day because I think they just need to be reminded up the road what where they should be. But put them back in their place. They brought an absolute mentalist as a uh, manager. Oh, are we all about him? Oh, he is about... The only thing stopping him shaving his head at the moment is the lockdown. He can't get to the barbers. <laughs> going full Brittany. Um, it's hilarious. They are so, yeah. and like, Chelsea fans may well have told us that William is shit and he's shit. But we told them that he'll break your club and he's breaking their club. Oh, it's fantastic. You oh. silly fuckers. And he's got the, uh, what is it? Gareth Bale is certainly helping him in that as well by refusing to come off the bench. And uh, it's just very sad because he can't play golf in lockdown. So, yeah. Unless he can, time, is he? Yeah. I think that's where we'll see him at some point. Just that's where the mental breakdown will be for for Jose Mourinho he gets fired you'll see him at top golf in uh, Croydon just smashing away all the trophies he's got and saying Tottenham didn't have any of these and what am I doing in my life it's a very good uh, accent you're not going on there I, that's, how, that's how bad it will be that uh, he will <laughs> go from not being Portuguese anymore to whatever my clusterfuck of an accent is uh, but that I think is the question so at least the ones that you've put in the chat box, Danny, uh, that have been given to us slightly, well, this side of the new year. We're an hour and a half in, I think we should start wrapping up, shouldn't we? Yes. Lovely. Yes, Mr. Host. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I just saw Formula Noza putting about Jason and his tappy tappy. And if you want to hear another bad accent, I'm not going to do it. It'd be worse than Josh's Portuguese accent. But yeah, we've only got 29 likes. You lot should be ashamed. Jason would be pissed off with you guys if he was here. And he'd be going on a massive rant in a Welsh accent that I'm not going to do. Um, so that is the end of the Abui Wonderland podcast. I would ask if you want gentlemen nods, but you probably haven't got any of you. No. I'd like to say hello to Chris. I don't know if, he, if anyone remembers who he is. I vaguely remember him. Actually, from social media, they did manage to get one rotten egg out of social media. So Twitter has done something right. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Thank you, Josh, for joining me. It's been wonderful. Uh, it's been a unique experience being uh, being on a show where you're a, you're a host. I think when you mean unique, you meant to say shit. <laughs> I mean, it was a one-off occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> and Danny, you had to be here. Thank you very much. It's been an, an absolute pleasure. I'm just going to do something now that is going to make Edis' day. Oh, it's piss off Carl is the hashtag I want to bring. So. Is it? Yeah, it's off the um Peter Crouch Peter Pretty Crouch <laughs> Peter Crouch podcast. <laughs> hashtag piss off Carl. That's the new one we're bringing to the pod. I think we switched us off because it's just gone downhill rapidly. <laughs> Turn it off, I Daddy, agree. please. Are we done? <laughs> yeah, do it. Right. Get me out of here. I'll be, I'll be quiet while you're in the show with those those immortal words. Piss off, Carl. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>